Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Hey, hey, and welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode number one million, no, that's not right, 145. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Nate Dunn. Now, to start with, we're talking about the Hawaii cable, which we've been hearing about for quite some time. Now, this is the uh, a potential undersea cable that would that would link New Zealand, Australia, the United States, uh, and Pacific Islands, sort of in between. Of course, uh, at the moment, there's the uh, Southern Cross cables that uh, that link us up with. Uh, you know, reasonably high-speed uh, connections between uh, New Zealand, US, and Australia for uh, internet. There is also um, certainly been an, an announcement by uh, by Telecom, Vodafone, and uh, Telstra, isn't it, for a, uh, a connection uh, undersea sort of fiber optic cable between New Zealand and Australia. The uh, Hawaii cable is one we've been have been hearing about for some time, uh, but today the news is that they've uh, they've signed. A pretty big customer, uh, TPG uh, Group, out of uh, Australia. Yeah, I, th- I think with these cables, and I'm not completely um, up to date with their business models, but from the reading of the research I did today, I can see that if you're going to build a cable, you sort of have to do all your, uh, your groundwork. You sort of uh, get all the links and everything set up, and then you go to market and, and approach these different ISPs and say, hey, look, this is what we're going to do, and then look at signing them into contracts. Because when you go to seek investors, it's a lot easier to sell a cable that you could say, hey, look, we've already sold XYZ millions on capacity on them it's uh you know as soon as we get this up these guys have already committed they're signed in they've got some skin in the game um please throw your millions of dollars to help us get it over the line so and that was where i guess uh you know the 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 new cable that was uh that was mooted sort of uh last year uh fell over um and that there just there was just insufficient uh funding for uh what was that one called? Pacific Pacific, Pacific Fiber. That's the name I'm looking for. Pacific Fiber. Um, so yeah, their, their one uh, their one sort of fell through insufficient uh, funding, and that very much came down to uh, you know I think the amount of deals that they managed to sort of sign in advance, and it, uh, it you know just wasn't uh, wasn't enough to be able to get that uh, investment over the line. This having this sort of fiber is crucial to UFB. So because we've, we're going to have this ridiculously fast network with people having fiber, and, and for example, I got VDSL the other week, which is amazing. Yeah, but I guess ultra fast broadband. The you know VDSL being the faster version of the copper ADSL connections we have today. What, why do we need this to uh, to drive those? Because you've got you're going to have all this ridiculously quick capacity. But the problem is we're sort of the village away from the main city. Um, all the content that, you, for example, Google, which everyone uses, and Google had a, a bit of a blip. Uh, I think it was it Saturday or Sunday where it, uh, it went down for three or four minutes. The whole of Google's platform, and uh, I was reading one analyst. Uh, saw that 40% of the, the internet's traffic dropped 40%, which is ridiculous. Because that, everyone goes via Google to get exactly. wherever they're going, right? So you've, you've got all these services that are based in the States and everything has to go overseas. We've only got a little bit of content that's here. For example, iSky, TVNZ On Demand, TV3, that sort of thing. So we're pulling in YouTube, we're pulling in Google, Facebook again. They're all coming in from overseas and we're going to have this really fast internal network, but we need to have lots of capacity so we can bring lots of content down. And and until we can get it lots of capacity here and the pricing's a lot better, um, your data caps are still going to be small and the monthly fees are still going to be high. 
Yeah, I, I agree partly with that. I mean, we've seen the, the the data caps rise dramatically, really over the you know the past uh, two years in in, in particular, and uh, you know two hundred gig type data caps are uh, you know are becoming um, um, you know not not too uncommon. You know, even uh, yeah, bigger telcos like Telecom with uh, five hundred gig uh, data plans. Uh, at at quite reasonable uh, prices, I think there is enough capacity in the in the uh, connections that we have to New Zealand at the moment. Uh, but having more options is is likely to drive prices down, and it also minimises the risk because I guess there is there is some level of risk at the moment with uh, really two main connections into the into the country from uh, from the Southern Cross cables. Uh, you know, there, there's a chance if both of those get knocked out, then uh, New Zealand is kind of falling off the face of the planet from a no connectivity. Uh, communications uh, perspective because the uh, the remaining connections are so. Uh, uh, yeah, small that they're, uh, they're negligible, really. So uh, yeah, this I think this will be a good thing if uh, if it can come through. There's there's really a long way to go yet in terms of uh, uh, yeah funding and so on. I would think, but uh, we we may have them on the show in the future uh, to get a little bit more uh, um, you know from their perspective about why uh, why this is needed and uh, how they're going to uh, pull it across the line. Why do you think they're stopping? Because you look at the diagram on their official site and you can see that they're actually going to be dropping into two, four, six, seven um, small island nations on the way. Would, why do you think that they're attempting those? Because I know Pacific Fibre wasn't going to touch any of those. It was sort of going to shoot straight past them, wasn't it? Well, I think there, there are probably some funding reasons. Maybe there's there's extra funding that they can uh, that that they can hook into if they visit those those islands. I'm you know I'm not uh, not sure on the rationale, but yeah, then I guess uh, you know their aim is to is to have as many customers as possible, and uh, yeah, heading into those lo- locations yeah, yeah certainly helps them, and they must have done the done the numbers and and decided it's worth doing i guess it's also possible for them if they don't quite come up with enough funding to uh, drop some of those off uh, further down the track so you know nothing's guaranteed until uh, until it's done and they they start uh, you know uh, putting those ships out at, out at sea to uh, to drop the the fiber optic cables i'll tell you what if they are, if they are able to get the cable in and you're able to get all those small islands hooked up they're going to be very, very popular places to have holiday homes because you think about any CEO that goes on holiday still wants to be able to jump on and do remote work or, or, or teleconference Not if everyone. they need to. Not everyone, Nate. Most, I would say, still want the ability to be able to do it. And you, if you've got fibre going to some of those islands, they're going to be perfect. Mm. Yeah, no, it would, make, it would make a huge difference. It really would. Uh, now, in other news, uh, Windows 8.1 um, and uh, its brother, which is uh, Windows Server 2012 R2, uh, has been announced. Those are launching on, what are we talking, October the, uh, October the 18th. Uh, with New Zealand uh, leading the way because we're first to uh, we're first to see the sun, uh, we've got um, yeah we've got new Windows uh, Windows 8.1 landing. This should be uh, should be good I think for certainly anyone that's using Windows uh, 8 at the moment. There's some really good little uh, tweaks in there, and for those that have sort of been sitting back a little bit and uh, you know not quite so sure whether uh, whether to to move off so Windows 7 and 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 so on. Uh, yes, yeah, this I think you know ticks a, a number of boxes for people. So, but uh, should be you, a popular launch because this is sort of right in the industry that you guys are, or gorillas in. Mm. What with something, let's say this, this is launching in four days. How far ahead would you then be 
talking to your customers about it and then how far ahead would they legitimately be putting into their business what sort of time frames do you guys work with uh, well we're looking yeah we're looking two months away um, 18th of October uh, I mean what 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 we do at Gorilla Technologies we te- we tend to test the technologies as early as early as we can which is you know partly why uh, yeah, the New Zealand Tech podcast exists because uh, all of the sort of product testing and 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 so on that we talk about on the podcast uh, is part of what I do every day within Gorilla, and you know part part of our uh, role for our customers is to help them leverage the very best of technology as it becomes available. So we're always trying stuff as you know as early as we can get a handle on how it may or may not benefit uh, them from a from a business perspective and uh, you know when when things are a good fit then uh, you know in some cases our customers are rolling them out uh, you know right at launch but it it, it varies from uh, from customer to customer but I guess our feeling is that smaller businesses have that opportunity uh, usually to make use of the, the newest and best technologies rather than having, having to wait years and years. Now, you know, we look at big companies like Telecom. You know, they're still stuck on Windows XP in-house, you know. Uh, and even, the, you know, their IT division, Geno, I believe, are, are on that same sort of stuff. As a big organisation, they're so embedded in it, it's very hard for them to move. Uh, but because we work with sort of smaller businesses and not-for-profits, um, you know, we're able to design what we do so that they can be really flexible and as new technology comes out uh, we're able to take advantage of those things reasonably quickly which is great so uh, that's why you know one of the reasons why we you know we test new versions of windows in particular in office uh, as soon as there are sort of beta or, or uh, preview versions uh, available and that's that's certainly you know some of the feedback and 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 so on uh, you know that listeners will hear on the podcast is because we're uh, you know we we're doing that uh, in house, and I would think Windows eight point one um, you know will be a product that um, yeah will be hitting the ground yeah pretty quickly for people. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new products surrounding it, is is I guess what we're predicting at this stage. So uh, the new chips from uh, you know from Intel, and we, we've got some. Uh, some laptops here that we'll, uh, we'll we'll chat about shortly, uh, but the, these new Haswell-based uh, Intel chips they're they're likely to be uh, uh, seen in products that probably launch around the same time or on that same day uh, with Windows 8.1, and uh, also the new uh, Atom-based processors we're likely to see uh, Windows uh, 8.1 products sort of associated with that. So. Uh, my pick is we'll see those sort of seven, eight-inch uh, tablets starting to come through uh, around the launch. We've already seen uh, one already from Acer, but I think we'll, you know we'll see a uh, probably a better selection of offerings. And uh, yeah, as I say, those new sort of Haswell and um, yeah, particularly the Haswell-based products. So um, yeah, we'll we'll have a little bit more on what Intel are up to uh, next month as well. Um, as I'm expecting to be at their um, their developer uh, event in uh, in San Fran uh, during during the month as well, so uh, hopefully we can get a few insights from them on uh, on what what's coming uh, coming down the pike. Uh, now, one other sort of local uh, a local story. Uh, now we've sort of. Uh, I guess given Vodafone a bit of stick recently for uh, for not having launched uh, ultra-fast broadband or U- UFB sort of fibre, um, although they've been trialling it for quite some time, and also uh, VDSL, w- w- which often gets mentioned here on, on the podcast. Uh, but uh, last week we found out that they've sort of done a soft launch of, um, of ultra-fast broadband. So what they've, uh, what they've started doing is getting in touch with people that have put their details down on the Vodafone website and have said that they're interested in ultra-fast broadband, 
uh, and they've started um, alerting those people if they're in an area where uh, where UFB is available already uh, to some um, what they're sort of calling uh, VIP uh, plans. So, yeah, good good to see them uh, good to see them coming on board, but they haven't made these uh, these plans sort of. Uh, I guess broadly public. So if you go onto the uh, if you go onto the Vodafone website, there is actually no mention of these uh, these new uh, ultra fast broadband uh, plans. But if you have a look, um, we've we've set up because I know there's been a, there's been a fair bit of interest. Uh, we set up a page originally on the New Zealand Tech Podcast website with with all the uh, various uh, UFB pricing plans. Uh, but we found there was a bit too much content to squeeze on that so we've set up a site ufb.org.nz we've just collated together all those bits and on there are the uh, the initial uh, plans from Vodafone as well as most of the others around the country that are offering ultra fast broadband um, now Nate you had a look at these uh, these plans um, what what do you think is are they um, are they reasonably priced in in your opinion um Yes, the the Vodafone one. Like I'm just trying to do. We're getting UFB. And actually, the chorus guy is coming to see me tomorrow. This is at your uh, business premises. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. I, I, I'll explain. It's a bit of an interesting process. So um, you jump on the telecom site, and if you're a business um, customer, so to give a bit of history, I, I own a company called Three Bit. We're a software house, and we're, in the building we're in a new market. There's um, only one other tenant who also um, owns a building, which makes it nice and simple. So you jump on the telecom site and you want to apply, if, and because it's not a residential one, you can't actually apply online, which was annoying initially. Uh, so you have to call a line and then um, you have a chat with them and then they send you out some paperwork. And because the chorus is going to have to make some modifications to the building, you need to get the landlord's permission and a whole lot of other things from the other tenants. But yeah, because some sort of some consent forms correct, out there. Yep. Correct. So we did that probably a month or two months ago. Uh, the chorus guy rang me on Monday and said he's coming out to see us. So I've, I've spoken to the landlord and, and I'm going to be there as well. And we're going to sort of do, a, I assume, a planning session where he's, he's going to say, well, this is because we've got a, a big comms cabinet in the middle of the building. We're going to say, we need fibre run up to here and this is where we're terminating it and, and, and he's going to sort of work out exactly how to do it and there's also a clause which I thought was fascinating in the agreement where it says that um, it's not best effort but um, sort of the, let's say if they have to dig up your garden and your footpath Chorus have said look we'll put it back to the best that we can we're not going to we're not you know, if your concrete's a, a, an off colour because it's got whatever fancy sand in it, we'll do our best to get it back to as it was. But it's best effort or best look, I think it's called, which I thought was an interesting clause in the garden. And the because they actually put an example that they would, if they dug up your gardens, they would try and put it back as best as they could. But you know, they were promising anything. So yeah, they're, they're very careful on all the legalities of everything. And oh, I'm sure because they don't want to be liable yet. You know, they do want to make sure people can get ultra fast broadband reasonably easily. Uh, but you know, if it's going to cost them ten thousand dollars to put in some very ornate sort of mm. uh, tiles or something that you've had that they've managed to break along the way, they exactly. they, they don't want to be uh, yeah stuck for that. But so. we're we're very we're very pleased with the pricing. Um, and I was, um, this is a very long winded ex- reply to your very simple question, um, because we got quoted for fibre when we first moved into the building, I think, which was six or seven years ago, and we're on the same road as Washers, and Washers fibre running down to them, but unfortunately it's on the opposite side of the road. So we got quoted, I think it was fifteen thousand or twenty thousand, because they had to not only 
connect to fibre, but they had to dig up the road and run it under the road and, and again blah, blah, and blah, so blah. on. So it was going to cost fifteen to twenty thousand to get fibre to, to fibre. your business premises. Exactly. And what's it going to cost you now to get it put in? Uh, I think it's a two hundred and something dollars. Yeah, yeah, probably about two hundred dollars. Yeah. The chalk and cheese, like the difference is huge. Yeah, um, and and that's the difference of ultra fast broadband, which is you know government sort of financed and, and mandated to a big degree. Uh, is you know it, it is it's totally different from you know what the offerings were in the past where it wasn't a mainstream uh, thing. If you wanted it, you had to pay to get it in, mm-hmm. and then you were you know you were typically paying sort of five hundred dollars a month as a starting cost for uh, for fiber based internet connectivity. Um, yeah, more often than not. Uh, but you know what is it that you you're signing up for there in terms of a business plan? You're sort of probably under two hundred dollars a month. Yeah, I think uh, the, the, I was just checking out this site now. I think we're on the one hundred and fifty nine, which is five hundred gig, and that's full speed, so that's one hundred and fifty. So Telecom and Vodafone are both offering plans which are a little bit slower, and the caps are a little bit lower to I, I think get more people in. But the Vodafone one's very um, well. There's a residential, so they haven't these these oh, plans that we've heard of initially are residential. So they start at now. The the thing that I think where you get the good value from Vodafone is if you're a Vodafone, if you've got a Vodafone on account mobile already. Uh, then their prices are very sharp. So if we start with the base plan, uh, which is the the slower speed, as you say, uh, but still faster than ADSL, uh, this is 30 megabits uh, down, 10 megabits up, so you've got 10 times the upload speed of a traditional ADSL uh, and very similar to uh, to a, a VDSL-type uh, connection. Uh, that is $95 a month just for a straight internet connection, no phone line. Uh, but if you've got... A, you know, a mobile phone that's uh, you know that's on a, on account, not not a prepay. Um, then they give you a thirty dollar uh, rebate, effectively on that. So sixty five dollars a month. Mm. That's with eighty gigs uh, worth of worth of data. And if you step up to their um, full their top end plan, which is uh, yeah, hundred megabits down, fifty megabits up. So you have got those really fast speeds and uh, quarter of a terabyte or two hundred and fifty gigs worth of data. Uh, that is $139 uh, a month. That also includes a phone line. So if you didn't want the phone line, uh, you're up for uh, $119 a month, which at that high speed, I think, is uh, is pretty competitive. Fibre really is. Like We used to have a phone system company, and, and phone systems are very um, sensitive to... Um, you, you've not only got to have speed, but a thing called low latency, which is the time taken from from data to get to A to B. And all the installs we did on Fiber never had a problem. Like Fiber really is. And I was trying to tell a client the other day about. It, and I said it's the Ferrari, Rolls Royce, Lamborghini compared to the the Toyota ADSL. Like you just, they're not even in the same ballpark. If you get Fiber, it really is a dream. And if you've got the chance to get UFB, I highly recommend it. And you've also, because you're not, because uh, it's the communications are digital from sort of woe to go, it's digital the whole way through, through um, you know, the issues that we get with the traditional copper, ADSL, VDSL, where, uh, you know, the, the lines sort of get impacted with, you know, various interference and so on, uh, you know, that goes away. There are other issues that can happen with, with a cable, and if a cable gets damaged, um, you know, it's generally more work to, to fix a, uh, a fiber optic cable uh, than it is with a copper cable where you can just kind of, you know, hook it back to back together, um, you know, a little bit easier. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely well worth looking at if you're in one of those uh, zones. So have a look at the ufb.org.nz uh, website uh, where, where we've sort of put up all of those plans and a bit of detail and, and links to uh, maps and, and things like that if you're interested. 
because yes, yeah, certainly the the ultra fast broadband rollout is uh, is moving along at a uh, you know at a, re- a reasonable pace. It's a you know, multi multi year uh, project. We're talking two thousand nineteen when it's supposed to be uh, finished. But you know, in the, in the meantime, there is a growing number of uh, you know premises that can uh, can get it. All right, now uh, moving along, other uh, telco sort of related stuff. Uh, Skinny Mobile have. Uh, have launched a new uh, a new prepay plan. Now we're just seeing prices go down and down, and uh, some you know pretty competitive offerings. Nate, uh, for sixteen dollars, Skinny Mobile are offering uh, what is it over a thirty day period? So it's virtually you know pretty much a a, a monthly type plan. Uh, Ninety minutes worth of calls, unlimited texting, and uh, five hundred megs worth of data on a on a mobile. This is prepaid, like it's just. Um, That's very cheap, isn't it? I mean, when you compare that to what you can get on an on-account plan, it's actually uh, there isn't any on-account plans that are uh, that give you that much for that small amount of money, is there? It's it's, it's a really strange thing because maybe rewind a couple of years ago, you would you would only really be on prepay if you only occasionally used your phone or you were sort of twelve years old because it would cost you a lot more to yeah, be on prepay. The, right? the calling would would be really high and the text text would be high as well and you had to add um, extra things and it was just a nightmare so that's why you go into contract but you're getting things like um, this from Skinny we go well actually why am I stuck in a, a 24 month contract with whoever when I could be getting this for, for a fraction of what I'm paying plus it's got it's not any New Zealand um, um, text and calling it's Australia as well included in that bundle which is yeah, it's impressive, phenomenal. isn't it? So they followed in the footsteps of what you know. Two degrees started rolling out that uh, you know that their core bundles and so on would uh, would com- would cover Australia as well. And uh, Skinny, obviously, uh, if, if for those that have missed it, is a, a sort of a sub brand of of telecom. So it uses telecoms uh, network. And uh, yeah, they're they're uh, they're really trying to come in with uh, with an extremely competitive uh, offering, and uh, I think this you know this absolutely uh, is, and it and it stirs things up uh, stirs things up even more. I guess the question is, uh, will we see something like this from Vodafone? Are Vodafone going to start a sort of a sub brand? Uh, because if you know if Skinny gains some traction, this could end up taking a bit of market share away from uh, Vodafone. They've of course got their nineteen dollar uh, a month plan, but it doesn't include the uh, the Australian calling, and uh, doesn't include that many minutes. I mean, this is uh, this beats the sort of the the other uh, cheap prepaid bundles from what I can see. Yeah, I, sp- I suppose my advice to anyone listening is that you need to at least on a month, maybe not as often as monthly, but maybe every two or three months. Jump on the different teleco sites. Um, have a good idea. Look, look at your bill. Understand your bill. Look at what what your calling volumes are, what your text volumes are, and what your data is, and just keep hunting for these sort of deals. Because I, I know, for example, my partner's phone was on um, Vodafone contract, and it was like eighty a month. And I've swapped her to that prepay mm-hmm. that you were just talking about before, and it's nineteen dollars, and that's a huge saving. And I never would have thought you'd get a prepay deal that would be far more competitive and cheaper than on contract. It just it didn't make sense, say, two years yeah. ago. Well, no one's got time to uh, to go trawling through those sites all the time. So uh, just as well that uh, everyone listens into the New Zealand Tech Podcast, so we can keep you up to date. That's the one. Uh, but it, it is interesting because we, you know, I'm starting to see sort of businesses that are saying, "Well, look, staff, you get your own mobile, and uh, and you just claim it back off us because some of these plans are, uh, yeah, are much cheaper than what a what a business will." Uh, 
um, you know, will actually be able to get themselves. So no doubt we'll see some changes in, in that area in the future. But you know, even a lot of the business plans uh, you know, are a fraction of what they were uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, you know, seen a lot of organisations where we've uh, you know seen their, their mobile bills maybe cut in half to uh, to what they used to be. Uh, now, uh, last week, of course, we had um, a chat about uh, PremierLeaguePass.com. Uh, uh, and uh, there were there was it was good to sort of get a bit of an update uh, there from uh, from Tim from the CEO. Uh, now what they didn't have last week were uh, any apps available, uh, but uh, they now have their uh, app for Android has uh, has landed, and uh, their iPhone and um, tablet uh, iOS app uh, is winging its way slowly through uh, through Apple's. Um, App Store approval process, and um, with any luck, will be available before uh, before this weekend's uh, games. So good, uh, good stuff there. Now, uh, new gadgets, a bunch of bits and pieces to uh, to chat through. Now, one that we haven't played with yet, uh, but we did come across. Uh, it's probably probably a couple of months ago now since it, it was announced, uh, but one that hasn't had a lot of discussion. So we thought we'd just call it out. Um, there's now a, a cell. Uh, cell phone sort of signal booster product available in the new in the New Zealand market. Now, traditionally, these haven't been uh, legal in in New Zealand. Nate, you've got a bit of background on uh, on what the rules are with these uh, cell phone boosters. Now, there's two types of products. One, there's the fem to cell, which is the mini cell site, which of course Vodafone have one of those and and sell, and it puts a mini cell site in your home or your business. You have to hook it into a Vodafone internet connection for it to. Uh, uh, communicate back with the network, and the other are these actual signal boosters that uh, you know pick up the the signal and and amplify it a little bit. Can you give us a little bit of background on what the rules are with them? You make it sound like I'm some sort of teleco. Um, oh, wireless you you are guru. you are a guru on um, this. From what I understand and from what I've read online, the the fact is that when you bid for Spectrum as a um, telecommunication provider, whether you're Telecom, Vodafone, or whoever, is that um, you purchase that that block of Spectrum from the government, and that's your Spectrum. So let's say if you put a jammer on and a, a jammer in essence is a cell phone tower that communicates to your phone so your phone connects to it because it's got the strongest signal however it's got no backhaul so your phone will connect to it it doesn't go anywhere so in essence your phone is off the network and it just doesn't mm. work mm. however they have to be provided by telecom vodafone because what in essence you're doing is you're or two putting degrees. A, or two degrees sorry you're putting a device on their network which they've purchased that spectrum from the government um and you're blocking what is legitimately theirs so um, interesting to see that there is something that two because for example if um, sort of framing that discussion two degrees if they've got a self uh, cell signal booster I couldn't just go to another country work out the frequencies bring it here and then just flogging them off left right and centre because I'm using spectrum that's been purchased and I'm putting devices that have not been approved by the purchaser on those networks so um, for anything to sit on any of those networks they have to be um, given the, the green tick by the, the provider or the owner of that um, spectrum. Yeah, and there's a number of companies that make. There's a, we chatted to one at uh, at, at CES uh, maybe this year, uh, or, or or last. I can't remember which. And uh, yeah, there seem to be you know products that in some markets are uh, uh, are quite popular. So this one that we've heard about, it's coming in um, just under I think under nine hundred dollars. Uh, and uh, the two degrees guys have looked at it and said, yep, they're happy for it to be used uh, on their on their network. Is this going to make sense for people? Yeah, I, I think it will. 
you know, if, if there's nothing more frustrating than um, being on a network and then being at home and you don't get calls. I had the Vodafone Fenty South Age. I live in Mount Eden and had it for ages because I was in a bit of this weird sort of black spot where there was no coverage, which has since been upgraded. So I've actually turned my Fenty Cell off. But yeah, a good option if you haven't, if you, the signal, you know, the sort of the, at the batch is a little bit um, low and you want to boost it up um, around. So because you've really got no other choice. If there's, if Vodafone's the only one that's got a Fenty Cell as of now, um, other than a booster, you've you've really got no other choice, really, do you? Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. Well, it's good uh, that two degrees are, uh, are offering that. Uh, now, we've um, over, over the last month or two, we've been playing around with a bit of gear from um, a brand called Ultimate Ears, which was a, uh, um, a manufacturer of, sort of in-ear uh, headphones for musicians, pretty high-end uh, equipment. Now, Logitech have bought out this brand, and what they're doing is they sort of repurposed the brand um, for consumer products, but quite high-end uh, audio. So, a little while ago, we uh, we talked about the um, Ultimate Ears um, Boom or the UE Boom, uh, which is we we were pretty impressed with as a um, as a sort of single uh, tubular speaker. Uh, about three hundred dollars and uh, splash proof, so quite quite well covered and so on. Um, a few of the a few of the other products that we've been looking at for them now, um, Nate. Earlier we uh, we were playing with this little uh, black and red speaker, which I'm holding in my hand now. We sort of measured it up. It's about the same size as we stacked up. I think six cell phones um, high, so it's about the height of uh, six cell phones. Um, Probably iPhone four. So if you stacked up um, six iPhone fours, um, and we do, yeah, we do have quite a few cell phones kicking around uh, my office. I have to admit, uh, but if we stacked up, and I don't actually have six iPhone fours, but it, it's uh, you know it, it's it's sort of base size. Whoops, knocking cell phones flying left, right, and centre um, is about the s- similar size to uh, to an iPhone four. Uh, or a little bit smaller uh, in, in terms of uh, length and width, and uh, or or similar to what's the other one we got here? Uh, Nokia Lumia uh, 520, similar sort of size. Stack a few of those up. So quite a small speaker. Uh, we were um, we were listening to uh, a bit of Lord on that earlier. What was your pick on the uh, sound quality for this pretty small speaker? Uh, really good. Um, the sound. You know, you had it cranked right up before, and it, it you could easily have a group of people sitting around. Um, just with the whole how physics work, you're not going to get the booming bass of, of, say, your dance or your hip-hop tracks just because you need a really big, heavy magnet to be able to do that. But for, for listening to it, it was... Like it's amazing. It's so small. Communicates over Bluetooth. Um, do you know what the battery life is on it? Uh, I can't remember what it is on this one, but um, you've got basically it's got a micro uh, USB uh, charger, and uh, you just you just run your uh, micro USB uh, cable in there um, and uh, and give it a charge. I think it's. Um, uh, uh, what's, it, what's the? Uh, I think it was at least uh, six six hours uh, was the battery life, if I remember uh, uh, correct. So it's the mobile boombox from uh, from UE, and I think they're starting to drop the uh, the Logitech sort of. Uh, uh, branding from it, they retail at one hundred and fifty dollars. So it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not a really, really cheap product. Uh, but in terms of, uh, you know, certainly, you know, bang for for its size, it's uh, it's it's really good. And um, most of these, uh, the UE products are available in a bunch of different colours and so on as well. Um, so it's not, you know, just uh, totally generic in uh, in those in those regards. Uh, 
what are we hearing? Oh, up to 10 hours of battery life is what they say on their website. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty impressive. <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah, yeah, it, it is good. Uh, now, the, the, now, a couple of their other products that... Um, uh, they've been kind enough to share with us uh, the UE9000 uh, Bluetooth noise cancelling headphones. Now, I've been using these for a bit of recording. Uh, they've also got a microphone in them, so you can use them for uh, for you know for phone calls and and, and recording and so on. Uh, I've linked them up to my phone. Uh, you can uh, hook them up, obviously, to you know your laptop and and so on over Bluetooth. Uh, really impressed with the sound and uh, pretty good uh, noise cancelling uh, cap- capability uh, as well. So I, I tried these out on my last um, uh, flight to uh, to Sydney, um, and a really really nice sort of uh, build quality. Uh, now the the thing I heard from uh, one of the guys at uh, Logitech is that they're what they're doing is they're measuring. Uh, their sound quality against Bose and you know Bose are one of those sort of brands that have been around for a very long time producing really high-end audio gear uh, and the story I heard from from uh, Logitech is that they test everything against uh, Bose <laughs> and uh, their their expectation is that they they at least match if not better uh, the sound quality. Now, of course, that's you know that's their sort of internal uh, story on it. Um, I'd recommend if you're interested in any of this gear, you know, get into a store and actually have a listen for yourself. Um, yeah, make sure you're you're happy with it. But uh, you know, certainly in terms of the uh, um, you know the gear that we've tried out so far, it does sort of seem to you know live up in terms of that sound quality. But hey, everyone everyone's got probably a, a, a different ear, and some people may have better ears than mine. Uh, but yeah, I've been pretty impressed with the gear so far. And the other one, uh, Nate, that we were trying out uh, before was the, uh, uh, the, I think it's the uh, 600 uh, Bluetooth uh, speakers from um, uh, Logitech as well. Uh, now, I think those also carry the, um, the, the UE uh, branding. Um, now, this is a, a pair of speakers, a st- stereo set that you can hook into your laptop, uh, run off the TV, etc. Now we 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 were uh, playing with this in the in the meeting room, just uh, running it off uh, off Bluetooth off the phone, uh, listening to the same music. And because <laughs> uh, we've got such a big um, repertoire of uh, of songs, yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, w- pretty impressive sound again out of what are uh, quite um, stylish, but you know, not huge, uh, not huge speakers, right? Yeah, the thing if. Anyone who's got speakers, if you're sitting off, if you're not sitting in that sort of optimum sweet zone directly in front of the two speakers, the the sound's going to be a little bit pants, for want of a better word. These are really nice looking, um, very stylish looking Logitech speakers. They can run <clears throat> Bluetooth off your phone, um, nice and loud, and you really can be sort of walked around the speakers in just about 360 degrees. You get the the same quality of sound. They've got a couple of little subwoofers, so you get um, at, le- at least some bass. You're not going to get again the sort of booming bass of a, of a heavy dance track if you're into that sort of music um really nice looking and the, the really the feature i thought was really cool is the fact you can turn them up and down by sort of rotating your finger clockwise or anti-clockwise across the top of one of the speakers yeah it's kind of a, a gesture control on the top so you you touch the top of it as though there was a spinning audio dial and you just you know spin your finger sort of left or right depending on whether you want to turn uh turn the volume up or down uh, now, yeah, these are the Z six hundred is the uh, is the model. Um, I don't think these ones are actually the UE or Ultimate Ears brand. They're just straight Logitech. 
Uh, but um, yeah, really, really nice kit. Uh, and the other thing is you can compare, you can have up to three different devices sort of paired uh, to them as well. So, you, you know, you can have a phone connected to them, you have a laptop connected, etc. Uh, so, um, yeah, well well worth the look if, you, if you're looking for uh, uh, for something with some uh, decent uh, audio quality to, uh, to, you know, to link into your, your computer or, or uh, yeah, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, quite, quite nice. Uh, now, uh, jumping on to other gadgets. Now, something we, we had a quick chat about, I think, last week is um, Vodafone's new um, 4G LTE uh, access point. So this is if you want to get mobile, uh, you want to get internet on the go uh, and you don't necessarily want to run it through your phone and run your phone battery down and so on. Um, the Vodafone 4G access point uh, is quite nice, and I'm sure you know, Telecom will have uh, something like this coming coming. Uh, Coming uh, down once they once they launch their uh, um, 4G LTE uh, network uh, soon. Now Vodafone, of course, have have, uh, have rolled that out in lots of places uh, ar- around the country. So it's starting to become you know reasonably uh, reasonably mainstream. Uh, now it's called the Vodafone R212. Uh, it's yeah, just just um, out. I think in, in in the last few weeks, it's got a twenty eight hundred milliamp hour battery, which means it, it you know it'll run for uh, for a reasonable uh, period of time. But you've got that uh, micro USB uh, charging on it as well. But the thing that stood out for me is a nice little display on the front. Uh, now it lets you see what your uh, signal strength is, how your battery life is, but more importantly, how much data you're actually using, which is, I think, one of the you know one of the risks when you're uh, you know when you've got a SIM card in a device is whether you you know blow through your data cap really quickly and uh, end up with a with a big bill. Um, Nate, have have you used these sort of access points in the past? Um, I did have one of these ages and ages ago before I sort of got into the, the smartphones, mainly because I was using my laptop out on the road all the time and pairing with the phone I had at the time wasn't too good. I really like the screen too. This fact you can quickly look at it and see exactly what's going on, how much battery you've got if you're sharing it with up to 10 devices. If one of your devices, someone's doing some sneaky torrenting because it's so quick, you can cut them off. Um really cool like it just makes it instead of just being sort of a, a dumb device that you can connect to the internet it actually gives uh, you need to it is actually quite incredible to have all those statistics on the screens so at a glance you can quickly see great this is how much data we're pumping through oh need to plug it into power this is the reception we're getting and anyone that follows me on twitter will see that i am a massive fanboy of vodafone's 4g network so if you're doing a lot of meetings and you're in well i suppose you have to really be in the main centers um but if you are and you're doing a lot of meetings and you want a device to share um, the 4G goodness, this is a, a good little device to go for. Yeah, well, I mean, the 4G is getting to more and more, more and more places, and so uh, you know, pretty soon it, it won't be. Yeah, you won't have to worry about where, where you are uh, because you know Vodafone are rolling that out pretty quickly, and you know, no doubt uh, Telecom and and two degrees once they get there will we'll be keen to get uh, you know 4, 4G LTE. Uh, yeah, far and wide uh, as well. But uh, yeah, ni- nice little, uh, nice little gadget, uh, definitely. And this is one that comes off the back of Vodafone being a um, you know, global organisation. I think they actually launched this in the UK ahead of. Uh, we've got our LTE 4G network here in New Zealand ahead of uh, Vodafone UK, which is is kind of cool. Uh, they launched it there, even though um, 4G wasn't wasn't available yet, sort of uh, in advance. Um, it's got a couple of other things in there. There's a um, uh, an SD card uh, 
reader which and you can uh, you can actually share I think you can share the storage sort of on your on your wireless network there's a couple of other sort of you know cool little uh, bits and pieces in there which uh, yeah you may or may not find useful but as far as that uh, getting access to um, uh, 4G network it's uh, yeah it's pretty handy uh, now, one thing we uh, actually—I don't know if we we had this news last week. We we may have done, uh, but we ran out of time to discuss a, a bunch of things. So, um, the word is, according to all things D, that um, next iPhone uh, launches uh, September ten. So uh, we'll be watching watching that one closely, and um, if it does fall in that timing, uh, may even be able to be at the uh, at the at the launch event uh, as I'm to be not too far away from uh, from Apple that particular week, so we will uh, we will see what happens. Is this the first? And because I know, because I'm a big Android fan and don't really follow the Apple news too closely, is this the first iPhone since release since Steve Jobs has been gone? Uh, we had the iPhone uh, 5 uh, last year, yeah. uh, but it's, it's likely to be the first one that sort of, you know, uh, won't have really had any of any of his uh, you know his involve, involvement uh, in it. Uh, so yeah, that's you know, we, and we're gonna and we're really gonna see that now, you know, go, going forward, is uh, you know, is is um, you know, new products that you know don't don't have any uh, or or you know, very little of the sort of Steve Jobs influence, other than uh, you know, historical in them. Whereas, of course, you know, in the past he was you know, intimately involved in uh, you know, in in all of their uh, their, their their product releases. Uh, you know, certainly in uh, in 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 recent years. So, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating just just to see uh, to see how they go with this. Is obviously a bunch of uh, rumours around. You know, uh, uh, yeah, biometric sort of uh, reader that's going to you know check your check your fingerprints so you don't have to put in a, a password to sign in. The comments about that and uh, yeah, uh, lower end iPhone maybe coming and so on. So yeah, I, I'm fascinated to uh, to to see how. Uh, how this will land and and what changes uh, Apple are going to make uh, make this time around, uh, but certainly you know we we can't absolutely confirm that date because as we know Apple are uh, are pretty quiet uh, in terms of official announcements usually until uh, you know very close to the day and and even then they don't usually tell you in advance what they're going to be uh, what they're going to be announcing. Um, now one uh, one other gadget that's been uh, that has been uh, floating. Uh, around is of course the um, f- the uh, ZTE Open, which is the uh, uh, smartphone based on uh, Firefox's uh, operating system. Firefox, of course, with the uh, um, yeah, browser being uh, being one of you know one of the the three most uh, popular uh, browsers out there. Uh, but these uh, these handsets can be had. Uh, online um, from uh, from eBay anyway we've uh, heard of them uh, eighty US dollars uh, for uh, uh, for the smartphone running um, running the, uh, the the new operating system uh, from uh, from Firefox so I mean it'd be interesting whether there's much interest in this I mean at, at that sort of price point certainly uh, yeah makes it a competitive offering it is a pretty low end. Uh, uh, smartphone, three and a half inch screen, three point one five megapixel uh, camera. Uh, but for those who are interested in having a little bit of a play with the, um, you know, the latest and and, and greatest, this is a, you know makes it reasonably uh, cost effective to get your hands on uh, um, on a new mobile uh, platform. Eighty bucks is really cheap. Yeah, you gonna get one? Uh, I don't know. 
I don't even actually know Firefox had an operating system. It shows you how completely ingrained I am into Android. Well, no, I think, the, I mean, the thing is, is this is, re, you know, we, we've got such a you know, strong uh, you know, number of platforms already uh, that it's very, very hard for, uh, for new vendors to get in there and to win some market share. Yeah, and even Microsoft are you know, pouring you know, hundreds of millions, uh, if not more, into you know, developing uh, Windows Phone, and you know, they're still uh, uh, you know, sitting at a, at a pretty uh, slim market share from what we're hearing at the moment. Uh, yeah, the, the, some stats came out uh, in the last week or two uh, talking about uh, um, Android's market share, and uh, they're, they're claiming that uh, Android's market share uh, is now uh, heading up around, uh, oh, close, to, getting close to eighty percent uh, market share globally. Uh, look, looking at uh, you know at, at smartphone uh, market share. Now, of course, a lot of that being driven by these low end devices that are that are very cheap. Uh, but uh, you know, certainly that that's something that. Uh, uh, yeah, Apple won't be too pleased about, and uh, you know maybe hence why why they will uh, uh, keep looking at some lower cost uh, you know options for uh, um, to, you know in, in terms of price points for uh, for the iPhone. Well, and the nice thing too is you've actually got Android phones that you can be proud of the design and style. And look at the HTC One. We finally got. I'm not complaining. I don't think the the Samsung the SGS series is that bad looking, but the HTC One just looks that much better. So we're finally. This you know coming up um, on par with what Apple's styling is. So, there's, and there's certainly some good good variety. I think some of the issues with with Android in the past are, you know, they're, they're sort of starting to uh, starting to disappear. I've been using um, um, the uh, Sony Xperia Z, and I've been on on that over the last uh, you know last couple of weeks or so. And uh, I looked at it uh, last night when we went to bed, and um, it had 48 percent of the battery left. And you know, in years gone by with Android. Uh, you know, you were you were just lucky to get through a day yeah. uh, with your battery, and and you'd be you know you'd be really pleased. But more than likely, you'd had to uh, you know plug your phone in during the day to to keep it running or turn everything off, which is what I've had to do with my S4 because otherwise I can't get a full day of it with all the little fancy little things going. So you've got to pretty much run it on its bare bones just to. Yeah, and I mean, there, and there are still stories like like yours of you know not just being able to turn it on and, and run it because of how you use your phone and yeah ver- various other things. But uh, yeah, I think Android is certainly uh, uh, you know heading in the right direction there. Uh, you know, there are, there are st- um, still plenty of things I think you can complain about on on every uh, every mobile platform. Uh, yeah, I think Android probably is a little bit hungry on you know on resources before it you know runs smoothly. But uh, yeah, there's as you say, there's some there's some really nice uh, ni- nice phones and yeah, a, a lot of good capabilities on on the platform. But uh, yeah, things are certainly uh, continuing to re- remain pretty competitive. Uh, now, one uh, well, not one piece of kit, um, three pieces of uh, technology we've been playing with uh, over the past couple of weeks or so uh, come from uh, the guys at Alienware. Alienware, of course, being the uh, uh, the PC and, and laptop brand that uh, makes gear. Uh, aimed at, uh, at at gamers, uh, Dell bought this brand out a few years ago, and we've been looking uh, at their um, Alienware fourteen, seventeen, and eighteen uh, laptops. Now, I've I've had some comments from some people looking at this gear, just blown away by it in terms of sheer size. I mean, these aren't light these, portable laptops, no, are they, Nate? No, these are not. I've got a an ultra, sorry, an elite book from HP, and I can actually fit. 
my whole laptop inside the 18 the alienware 18 the the thing is a monster is humongous I've, i'll put a photo on twitter later on of me sitting behind it i can just about i could hide behind it <laughs> not well, the world well, yeah almost world. 18.4 inch screen now um this machine it uh, i think it starts at about five and a half kilos uh, but it can fit up to four hard drives uh inside it's got um not not only an hdmi output port but um that port can also take hdmi in so potentially uh i believe you could you know plug xbox playstation or whatever, uh, and and use the uh, you know you, you use your uh, laptop screen for that. Uh, there, these come with a minimum of uh, sixteen gigs of RAM. The one we've got here, the uh, Alienware eighteen, has got thirty two gigs of RAM. Uh, now, these usually coming now with Windows eight, but we, this one's got uh, Windows seven on it, and these are the, using the the um, you know the, the the latest core i sevens from. Uh, uh, from Intel, the um, Haswell uh, uh, variant of that uh, CPU, and Nate, when we looked at those uh, those numbers, I think this was coming through with a Windows Performance Index score of seven point six, uh, the highest you can get on seven point nine is seven point nine uh, on Windows seven, and when we looked across the various uh, speeds, uh, I think the RAM was at seven point eight, CPU was at seven point six. And all of, all of the other uh, your graphics performance metrics, yeah. and uh, uh, and disk were were uh, at the top. They were at seven point nine. Uh, so um, you know, potentially off off you know off almost off the charts. Uh, so pretty impressive uh, performance. This one's got a uh, half a terabyte uh, SSD drive in it, and then a uh, a, a seven fifty gig uh, uh, hard drive as well. Uh, but um, some pretty cool hardware if you just really want the top of the line machine but you don't want a full blown uh, PC for gaming uh, yeah stunning uh, graphics performance and so on I, I think you're when you look at it you think wow that is a really big machine but it, like we flipped it over and, and it's got these humongous cooling ports which is what you're going to need when you've got um, the graphics card and all the hard drives and everything this thing's going to put out a bit of heat and I, I think it's unrealistic to think you're going to squeeze everything into a, a small book this is really a specialised machine and if you want top end gaming you're going to go for one of these bad boys yeah really really nice um, and uh, you know, uh, dual NVIDIA uh, GeForce uh, GTX uh, 780M uh, you know, video on board you know, seven, uh, four, 4 gigs of uh, GDDR5 um, yeah, memory on them, so on. I mean, this is uh, this is pretty powerful, powerful stuff. Um, and, uh, and yeah, blue blue way Blu-ray uh, reader in there, sort of you know slot loading. Um, really, yeah, re- really nice, uh, really nice kit. Um, I guess the uh, probably the the, the only um, you know major downside other th- other than the weight uh if you're a gamer is of course these sort of high-end systems uh generally you want to run them plugged in uh i mean they they, they do have They're a gonna suck a, down a bit of battery you know, they, they do have a reasonable sort of battery in there but uh you know re- realistically running at this sort of uh performance uh you uh you, you know you definitely want to uh you want to keep these these plugged in most of the time and they've got a pretty huge power brick uh with them uh but i mean they're varying sizes if you want this this sort of power uh but don't want something so big they've got the 14 uh model uh 14 inch and the 17 and 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 the 18 which is the the big bad boy starting at uh, about four and a half thousand uh for the alienware 18 but uh yeah stunning machine and they look pretty funky as well. Uh, yeah, even the uh, the touchpad sort of lights up and uh, 
uh, and and glows, which is uh, is pretty cool. So you're gonna get one, Nate. Um, I'm not really a game. And to be honest, I, uh, this, anyone who follows me on Twitter will probably not agree, but I, I do a lot of work, so I don't have a lot of spare time. But I think it is a very specialised machine, and if I was a game, I'd probably grab one. It's all in one. You can, unlike a, a typical laptop, you can add more stuff to it, which, you know, a little... Yeah, little well, one of the one of the team here at the office uh, yeah, took one of them home for uh, for a play, and he said, yeah, I've, I've always wanted to play with one of these. Um, and he said he would he would love to get one. So uh, I, I think there is definitely an audience uh, an audience out there for uh, for these machines. Uh, you know, well worth uh, having a having a look into if uh, you know if PC based gaming is uh, is your thing. Two more things, just uh, apps that I'm not sure whether we've covered recently. Uh, in recent weeks, we've seen uh, Office Mobile come out on iPhone uh, and on Android. So if you haven't seen those and using those platforms, uh, worth a look. You do need to have off- Office 365. Uh, in order to use them and the other is Air New Zealand's Impass uh, app I've actually where is my iPhone right I just, here I just because I've I've flying to Sydney uh, next week for work and I just installed the um, Air New Zealand Impass and I know that the original version you'd go add booking and it would just boot um, or sorry create a, um, a booking and it would just boot up their mobile site and it wasn't actually very um, helpful but so you can actually book flights through. So what I'm told, and I'm just and I'm just looking, I'm just looking at it here. Um, I might need to refresh my Impass app on my um, iPhone five here. Um, what I am told is the updated um, Impass app from Air New Zealand allows you to uh, make flight bookings directly uh, from within uh, from within the app. So uh, yeah, I've just got to run. Uh, Run the refresh on that and get that updated, um, which I which I will do now. Uh, and yeah, then should be able to make uh, booking. So if you, I mean, if you're someone who's a who's a really frequent flyer, uh, and and you want to be able to uh, you know make bookings really easily, it's pretty handy. Also having that option to be able to uh, you know to be able to book uh, flights uh, directly from your phone. Only domestic though. Instead of like, if I want to go to Sydney, I don't think I can book. Maybe I'm just looking in the completely wrong place. I'm only saying um, domestic. You are right. It is domestic. Uh, yeah, domestic flights uh, only at, at this stage. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, but it's a, certainly a good, you know, a, a step in the in the right direction. And uh, yeah, the the more accessible they make, uh, you know, these sorts of features, the more uh, yeah, customers are going to stick with them rather than looking around at at other options uh, you know not that we've got that many options for uh, for booking flights locally but uh, you know it's just an, another thing that uh, you know will keep uh, you know keep customers loyal I guess to uh, to Air New Zealand so good on them and I, I think I flew I was in the States a couple of months back and I flew <laughs> United which I'd never do again and we should be really thankful of the um, or really proud and thankful I suppose about our domestic uh, sorry our um, international carrier because it, in New Zealand compared to United for example is just streets ahead look at um, Jetstar if you want to do that this sort of impasse check-in they send you a text message and I've flown Jetstar many times and I've tried multiple times to get the little text um, reading which pretty much does an OCR scan of your um, mobile phone and I cannot make it go and it's just frustrating and stupid so I'm you know in New Zealand is, is not just a little bit ahead of the competitions domestically but miles ahead and internationally they're miles ahead mm, mm. they're just awesome yeah that's great now I am just going through that uh, process now 
in terms of uh, in terms of booking. It looks good. Now it does uh, what it looks like it does is it does actually bump you out to a mobile website uh, in order to uh, in order to do those bookings. Uh, but it looks uh, it look it looks you know it looks pretty good and uh, and yeah pretty easy to uh, pretty easy to use. So uh, yeah, definitely definitely helpful. It gives you you know the options of your various seats and uh, and bits and pieces. And uh, there's even a little uh, express uh, checkout option. And in, in that it's going to pick up you know your saved credit card etc. And we'll just push your uh, push your booking through. Um, I'm not going to press that option uh, now because I don't. Really need to fly to Christchurch and back uh, tonight, uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I, you know I can see that being handy, and that was really quick to uh, step through, and you know someone that spends a bit of time fiddling around looking at sort of flight options and so on, uh, really really easy. So uh, yeah, pat on the back to uh, to the uh, the team at uh, at Air New Zealand. Looks uh, looks very good. It's filled out filled out all the key details for me. Makes it uh, makes it look look nice and easy, super easy, uh, and you can even do your uh, seat selection and so on when you're uh, when you're booking. And of course, the usual thing of uh, automatically ticking the um, the travel insurance option uh, <laughs> as you go. So uh, you got to un- 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 untick that if you uh, if you don't want it. Uh, but yeah, that's good. Hey, well, thanks everyone for uh, for joining us this week on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Now you can, of course, uh, find us online, uh, nztechpodcast.com. Uh, we're at facebook.com slash nztechpodcast, uh, nztechpodcast on uh, on Twitter. Uh, and uh, Nate, where do we find you on uh, online? Um, I blog on GeekZone. Um, you can also get to my GeekZone blog by going natedunn.com. And you can find me on Twitter just as Nate, all on my own, just the four letters, just Nate. Very, very nice. And uh, you can track me down online uh, at Paul Spain is my uh, my Twitter handle. And uh, yeah, you can uh, you can find me on most of the other uh, social networks like uh, uh, Facebook and uh, uh, Google Plus, etc. Uh, so uh, yep, and you can find my uh, my blog via uh, GeekZone or TechJungle.com. So thanks everyone. We'll catch you next week on the next episode of New Zealand Tech Podcast. See ya.